0: and okay no sir go swim another direction what's <laughs> up y'all welcome 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 it is thursday february the 3rd 2022 welcome to the zodiac Chatline. i am your host today with my co-host cassie in the building oh hey i cannot believe it's actually february Oh, um, no, January was a long year. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> so I just want to say this real quick. Um, I forgot to do it on Sunday. Um, I want to give a shout out to the lady that worked at the hotel desk when I stayed. Her name is Adrienne. Her birthday was yesterday. She's also an Aquarius. I told oh. her I'd give her a shout out. So thank you, girl. She was very helpful. Also, thank you to everybody that sent me messages, gave me love for my birthday. Your girl appreciated it. Your girl really appreciated it. So Today, we are going to talk about Mercury going direct in some houses. So, let's all take a moment and take a breath, because what? Mercury has decided to station and go direct. Which means he's taken a pause, because he's been retrograde so long. Not really, but it's really felt so like an eternity. Long enough. Especially this past week. I don't know about y'all, but the last week I thought was rough. This week, Ugh. extra, extra rough. Um, so stations direct tonight and then tomorrow will start to go forward and things will begin to ease up a little bit. Communication will get a little easier, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We have a, a little shadow period to contend with. If you're not familiar with that term, it's like a week and a half yeah. right, or so yeah. on either side of a retrograde where... You know, as you might expect, the energy's still gearing up, so you might experience some of the stuff you know you've been blaming Mercury for, still, but hopefully to a lesser degree. And we're in such an exciting time right now because all once Mercury starts moving forward, all the planets will be moving direct until April 29th, which means we have two full, almost three full months of planetary energy that's trying to work with us instead of teach us lessons anything that you had planned that you've been planning since oh i don't know december um now is the time to look at that plan and put it into action we're going to be going through the the great part about this is we're going to be going through the rest of aquarius season which is you know wonderfully social moving into pisces season which gives us a good like spiritual soulful dreamy energy and then right in the Aries season which takes off of fire (laughs) action go 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 Mm -hmm. and then smooth it out in a Taurus season and then right before everything goes retrograde you can kind of get grounded and it's like all right take a break so pretty much like valentine's day on it's like full 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 force but right now it's like just get all that energy going you know yeah Time to let loose. Um, I am extremely excited about this time period because, ooh, girl, these retrogrades. Yeah, it has been a lot. I mean, the the technology stuff, communication, it just seems like it's been bonkers for everybody. Um, I, I was fortunate to not feel too affected by Venus retrograde. I felt like I have um, strong... Venus energy in my chart because of my Taurus rising, but we will get to that later. Um, but yeah, I know a lot of people who went through it. Um, I mean, we saw a I lot of celebrity breakups. Yeah, and I definitely saw people that I had entanglements with pop up in ways that I was not prepared for, which is very yeah. for Venus retrograde. Yeah. It's like, you? Here? We just, Why? You know, cause, cause, cause Venus was like, you sure you're done? You sure? You sure? (laughs) Yes, bitch. Bye. (laughs) That lesson had been learned. Uh huh. -huh. Yeah. Yeah. I already got an A on that test after failing the first three times. Thanks. (laughs) Um, yes. So all good things. So we really want to start talking to y'all about houses. So Cassie, take it away. Tell us about these houses. So I'm going to go teacher mode. First, before I do that, if you have any questions for us to talk about, as we always like to take audience questions, and we already have at least one on deck, please put it in the chat. Coral has got her eyes on it. She's like the feds in these streets, keeping (laughs) an eye on all of us. So she will see it. Put the question in there. Okay. So houses. So I did a craft. Um, If you've looked at your astrological chart or any of the ones – We've never actually really put someone's astrological chart up as we've done this. But you know, No, seen but it. some of you in the chat have one for me. So I know you know what it looks like. Right. <laughs> so it looks like this. Yes, perfect. And it's a chart with 12 slices of pie. And each of those slices of pie is a house. And they correlate, as you will see, they're the same amount of degrees as each sign in the zodiac. So these are the zodiac signs all out here around us, around our solar system. Our solar system is basically in here, Earth, you know, where we start for our astrological journey. So that's where we measure from. And each of those houses represents a phase of your life and a different arena. Um, They roughly correlate to the beginning through the end of a human life and the kind of the lessons that you learn and the evolution that you go through. And if you have a lot of planets in a certain house in your chart, the area that house governs and the sign in your particular chart that also governs that house, um, will tell you a lot about where a lot of your energy is going to be spent Mm -hmm. in life. And, you know, depending on the planets and the placements and the aspects and all of that, it can indicate challenges, strengths, you know, and you have to kind of look at multiple elements of a chart to determine how everything factors in. So, so when you're born, as we've talked about, um, you we start your chart your ascendant goes to wherever the sun was rising or whatever sign the sun was rising in at that moment of the day so here's our chart we've got all of our signs way out here in the universe and oh at the time time you were born the sun was in the sun was rising in scorpio so now you are a scorpio rising And for your astrological chart, in your first house, you will start with Scorpio, and then you'll move on to Sag, and all of the planets will go in the houses according to what signs they were in. First of all, I just want y'all to understand how awesome it is that Cassie made this, because it's actually perfect. And if you all go home and look at your chart, what she said makes total sense. Um, But just know that we all have houses a part of our charts. It just depends on where you were born and how they fall into your chart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So Cassie and I are going to start to break them down for you and kind of talk about them a little bit. Um, We're going to start with the first three houses. And those houses are really an integration of self and how, um, how you can, how you view yourself. So the first house is the house of self-awareness. It's how everybody sees you. It is ruled by your ascendant. So no matter what that is, that's the energy that you, that people, when they see you, that's what they see from you. Um, it's usually about your physical appearance sometimes. It's about, you know, your stature, It's just a really a reflection of how people see you. Um, But mostly what your self-awareness is and how that relates to you. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. It's a good early childhood um, energy. It is the first house. It is the first. So it's kind of when you come into as a little baby, this is what your early childhood energy is like. Um, Then we move to the second house. But let me pause you for a second pause so now. what sign is the first house associated with? So the first house is associated with Aries, which is the you when you look at the uh astrological just calendar year, Aries is known as the first sign of the zodiac. Um, that does not mean that your first house will be Aries. that's just the energy that the first house brings its ruler. Um, Aries' ruler is Mars, and so that's a lot of fiery, action-oriented, very, like, quick, on-the-go energy. And so for that to be your first house, your integration of self, it's going to be out for everybody to see. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, like, for example, if you had a Sun in Pisces, but it was also in your first house, how would that change just having a son in Pisces um I would pray for it I'm just kidding uh (laughs) (laughs) that is a pretty intense placement (laughs) Um, you know, anytime you find someone with the same sun sign as their first, like their first house in their sun sign, that is the energy that that person will always bring their, their life will be dominated by that energy. Um, so somebody with a sun in Pisces and a rising in Pisces is going to be super soulful, but you know maybe delusional most of the time Um, we 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 they live in they will live maybe a fantasy world um but they will probably be the most kind compassionate caring individuals you'll ever meet um i hope that they find some sort of grounded energy within that otherwise they will be uh floating from sea to signing signing left and right you know the pisces symbols both fish are always going in the opposite directions. So, if your first house is the same as your son, you know you are who you are, which is you don't have a mask. That's probably the benefit. Um, mm. We did have our um, our producer Coral last week, and she has a Sagittarius sun and a Sagittarius rising in the first house. And let me tell you, she is a Satch. <laughs> I think right. I think that that is a very excellent thing you just hit on with the first house, like that is you know if you have a lot of placements in the first house you don't have a mask because your first house really is ruling like your physical impression that you're making onto the world and like who you are in like a physical sense i was thinking about the you know imaginary pisces rising pisces sun person and they're probably (laughs) like physically really klutzy because they're so like dreamy and just like in space you know like how could that first house affect it but That was great. Okay. So moving on second house. Sorry. All right. So second house, we're going to try this one again. So second house (laughs) um, is associated with the sign of Taurus. Um, It is your relation to substance and value. Um, It is what you value, how you value. It is how you value yourself. So since the first house is what your sense of self is, Your second house is how you value that self that you've already created in your first house. So you move on to that. So um, it is ruled by things that are material and very grounded and very um, tangible. Um, And that is like your wealth, your finances. It's, you know, (laughs) it's kind of how you spend money. It's your material security, Um, it's how you feel towards your possessions and other things. And so, you know, if you were to have Taurus in the second house, that would be a really good placement because you've, you've, it's where it's supposed to be. And it's very valued and grounded. Um, say if you were to have maybe Sag in your second house, it could be a little bit fiery, confusing. Sag's aren't necessarily known for their groundedness um nor their they, <laughs> ma- value for material things really right, so. so it wouldn't exactly give you the same type of energy um so as we're moving around the houses just know that each one builds onto the other so it's like you're starting as a baby in the first house and you're then moving to like maybe you know your toddler you know you're just learning how to Early childhood work your, work your way through um so that's that's that second house energy Mm-hmm. Um and then we're moving to the third house and that is associated with Gemini and Mercury. And now we have the first house where we found out about ourselves, the second house where we found out what we value and how we value ourselves. Now, how do we communicate? How do we talk? How do we not talk? How much do we talk? And in what ways do we learn? Um the third house rules everything that is very much a daily form of communication, really small, quick daily interactions. So your neighbors, your siblings, um, anything that's really a daily conversations that you have, text messages, your all of those things are ruled by the third house, um, along with just like journal keeping, personal thoughts, um, brotherhoods, sisterhoods, our covens, stuff like that. You know. Um, so That is the third house. So it's kind of like um, you going to, you know, your little group, your group of friends, you know, like anybody super, super close to you, um, especially your siblings. I think it definitely rules people close like that. But just how you communicate and how you allow the world to hear your communication style, whether it's written or verbal. Um, I have... Virgo in my third house um and so uh, duh (laughs) like Cassie's like of course you do (laughs) um and so right so my communication style is usually pretty exact um very well thought out well, well thought out.
1: And that's uh, a very, very strong placement, too,
0: because they're both ruled by Mercury. Both Gemini, yes. who's the, the natural ruler, or the, the yes. thing that, that that house is associated with, yeah. and Virgo. So, mm, yeah. So, yeah. But <laughs> uh, That's not where my Mercury is, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but that, that's just kind of what the third house energy brings. So, yeah. You know who's got a lot of third house placements? Your girl. Including my North Node. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you're what? Writer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> almost like it was written in the stars. Um. Yes. So um, that takes us to the fourth house, uh-huh. who's the second quadrant, which we'll touch on that later. The quadrant uh-huh. thing. Um. The fourth house is associated with the sign of cancer and it is the house of home, the early and later parts of your life. I think if we're going with the analogy of, um, the life cycle, as mm-hmm. par- How we think of the houses when we get to the fourth house is when we're an early adult and we're really defining the idea of home for ourselves. So it is what is important to you emotionally and close to you emotionally, the domestic part of your life that you don't let everyone into and you're very protective of. Generally, I also have a lot of like <laughs> this too. Um, the, all my stuff's like right there. Um, Can't you? Tell? Yeah. Um, you know, a, I think I think the eighth house is more strongly associated with ancestors, but there is some of that energy here in the fourth house too. It's one of the mystical houses. the The three houses that are associated with the water signs are all considered mystical houses because they have associations with. Things that are intangible or difficult to define. So those emotional and like psychic, emotions, <laughs> yeah, parts of yourself. And cancer is the first um, of the water signs in the zodiac, and in some ways is the least complicated. I think when it comes to that emotional aspect, right? Like they're, yeah. you know, we're fierce, We're fiercely protective. We're very loyal. We wear our hearts on our sleeves. You know, it's the part of you that is moody you know your 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 daily it's you know natural rulers the moon so it deals with the ups and downs of your everyday life your home life you know um you can be quite one way in the outer world and things at home can be very different so your fourth house deals with that energy um and then the fifth house is the house of creativity and sex, and it's associated with the sign of Leo. So wow. that's the house <laughs> where you step out. That's where your, you know, artistic talents, your creative talents, literally ch- children, if you have strong fifth house associations, North Node, or, you know, a stellium or something in the fifth house, like it's very likely that children will play an important role in your life. It's, um, you know, that, again, that time period of your life, your early adulthood, 20s, like that's traditionally when you, a lot of people start a family or they at least start doing behaviors <laughs> right. that would suggest they're thinking practice, about starting a Practice could affect- make a baby. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and what else do I have? Um, joyful things that give you affection. Um, mm. Yeah, it's a, a generally, you know, jolly, happy Sunny house. Um, so if you have a lot of fifth house placements, congratulations. That's those are fun vibes for your life. I mean, I, yeah. unless it's like Saturn, oh, you know, Capricorn or something like that, that could be intense. No, I actually have Pluto in my fifth house. Huh. Yeah, ruled no. by Libra. Yeah, still intense though. Because hmm. then have you, to- know, pl- Pluto's the generational. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. why I'm like trying to think. About that, that's interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. I'll um, talk about
0: it later. Okay, we'll talk about it. Yeah, uh, so, <laughs> that moves us on to the sixth house, which is associated with the sign of Virgo, and it's the house of service and health. So, it's how you give back to others. Um, it can really rule like your your constant like your physical constitution, especially like the part of you that's healthy or not from early in your life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it can it's less about like the injuries you will suffer later in life and more about like long-term health conditions and effects. And especially I read this somewhere. It was like, especially like nervous disorders and stuff because of the mercury influence, you know, and, and all that mental energy, um, especially associated with Taurus. (laughs) Um, uh, Relationships with your coworkers um, Mm. and your, the people you serve with and, you know, how you navigate, um, those kind of relationships it can actually also point you toward you know areas where you may um like how you may treat or consider people who are below or above you like your status Mm. kind of Um, yeah so yeah it's like you're you know you're work people so once you transition from like you know we we're moving around right and now we're in the seventh house which is the house of partnerships and relationships, which is ruled by, I'm sorry, not ruled by, associated with the sign of Libra. As everyone here knows, Libras love, balance and partnerships. And so that's what the seventh house is. So once we get to the seventh house, you're now relating to other people. It's no longer just about yourself. You're expanding your circle outside of yourself. And now the seventh house is especially a one-on-one relationship to other people. So anytime, whatever your seventh house is, it's going to show you possibly it's also known as your descendant. So it's always going to be opposite your first house and it's going to show you what you look for in a partnerships, how you may behave within a partnership. Um, it also kind of, it's legal contracts, alliances, um, cooperations it really relates to relationships with your partner and it doesn't necessarily mean romantic partner it can mean a business partner anything like that but mostly an a type of contract is involved with another with another soul um and that's kind of how the seventh house relates and so not everybody has seventh house planets in their seventh house um but that doesn't mean that you don't have that energy still so Seventh house, we are now into other people. And uh, we're going to move to my next house, which is my favorite house, which nobody ever says that but somebody like me. Uh, (laughs) All the eighth house energy. We're moving to the eighth house. Um, And this is associated with the sign of Scorpio, um, whose main ruler is Pluto and sometimes Mars. Now, when we get into the eighth house energy, a lot of people fear this energy because initially people will explain it as like death and like all of these things. But it's the integration of your partnerships. And then it goes deeper than that. It's definitely a whole nother level of intimacy. Um, And it does talk about inheritances, taxes, rebirth, all of those things. Um, It is a very psychic. It's. Probably one of the more psychic uh, houses. It, um, it, it does rule astrology and the occult. Occult, yeah. um, <clears throat> Excuse me, it rules uh, psychological tendencies. Um, anything taboo. Um, now, if the fifth house rules sex like this, uh, like like dating, romance, sex. The eighth house rules like kinky, taboo, tie me up, whips and chains, S and M sex. <laughs> it's a very it's a very, um, sometimes it's the darker aspects of sex, to be honest with you, obsession and kind of like jealousy. Those type, yeah. Um, so, eighth house is, is, I say, if you meet anybody with ace health energy, just beware, <laughs> approach with caution. <laughs> they're powerful. I think at it's best the 8th house has the power to break generational curses. That's my stance on the 8th house. I think it's Well, thank you. Um yes. I guess that's where I'm at and I will say that um sometimes you will find 8th house is also about a lot of loss. Um and it's it's abrupt and unexpected losses. Um sometimes a lot of 8th house energy they have lost parents early or they find their demise. Like it's a random, it's a it's definitely a heavier house, but um, one that if you make friends with, it seems quite peaceful. Um, and then we move beyond that um, because we've already integrated that into the ninth house rule associated with the sign of Sagittarius and lucky Jupiter. Um, so once we get to the ninth house, we are expanding beyond our, our interpersonal relationships. We are now kind of going out into the world. Um, and this is usually a time of higher learning. Sometimes it speaks of colleges. It speaks of definitely travel, um, foreign lands. It's always, um, philosophical. It is your, it's kind of your philosophy in life at times, like that when you get there, um, you've kind of integrated everything else. And, you know, we're what, two thirds of the way there. So you are now well into adulthood, um, well into your 30s, maybe 40s, just mm-hmm. depending on, mm-hmm. you know, where it For is. For sure, yeah. Um, and, and it also sometimes um, explains how our religious rituals or spirituality rituals, not necessarily mm-hmm. spirituality, because that's more 12th house, but maybe like religious, how you, how you believe and how you, you know, rituals, not necessarily the entire thing it's just very specific to how you're relating to those energies um and metaphysics stuff like that so you know it kind of makes sense now like this is just triggering all kinds of thoughts in my head your explanations of those houses like you know i think that the eighth house especially when you associate it with that period of life like your 30s and 40s i kind of think that's when a lot of people experience their first big loss like yeah. you and I both lost parents at an early age, but like a lot of people don't experience that. I mean, there are many people who don't experience it into their like sixties or very yeah. fortunate, but like certainly by the time you're in your thirties and forties, you've lost at least one person close to you. And so you've had to like experience the trauma that's associated with that. And that has eighth house associations, but then the ninth house is kind of like the way you cope with that, which is like, yeah, learning that everybody goes through that. And how do we, Come through that into a better understanding of our association with human life. You know, yeah, mm. yeah. That's a good way to put cope with it. Okay, dropping dropping gems. I mean, you you feed them to me, and you know, I just spit like, them out. We can't help it. We can't help it. It's it's, it's the energy. That's right. <laughs> Um, okay, so that takes us to the last quadrant um, starting, that starts with the 10th house, which is associated with the sign of Capricorn. It's your house of career and public standing and reputation. Um, my favorite subject ever, <laughs> sister signs. If you look at its opposite house, the fourth house ruled by cancer or associated with the sign of cancer, um, rules the home and your domestic life. The 10th house is all the things that are not that. <laughs> so your outward life. Um, If we're going with the, you know, time of life, they say people reach their peak earning in their fifties. So think about that period of your life where you're really getting to the, you know, accumulating your greatest wealth and figuring out how to climb to the top of your mountain. You know, that's what your tenth house associations are, how you accept responsibility, um, what it, what responsibility is thrust upon you. If you have a lot of tenth house placements, you're likely to be a leader and out in the public to gain yeah. that reputation. You know, yeah. um, it is a house of public standing. Um, yeah, tenth yeah. house. Your career is you. That's yeah, all that I, yeah, <laughs> uh huh, for sure. Um, and then so you move from that to the 11th house, which is the house of hopes and wishes. And it's associated with the sign of Aquarius. And I like to think of that as, okay, so that's the humanitarian stuff that once you've made all your money through the Capricorn 10th house period of your life, now what can you really do? What really speaks to your soul? What do you want to, what groups do you want to be a part of that house rules associations, you know, that you make, which can be, Professional, depending on if you align your career goals and your, you know, humanitarian goals or your moral goals, I guess, um, intellectual goals. Uh, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's some other area that you have become involved. You know, um, it, and you're towards like the end. You're like in your sixties or seventies. Like Aquarius is ruling. Like you said, after you've already achieved this, what can I? how can i give back to humanity yes. and my community and whatever that means and mm-hmm. you know grandchildren it, <laughs> yeah it's like the the not the literal you know legacy of passing your genes on but sort of what is my moral humanitarian you know legacy yeah. into the world your idealism you know if you have a lot of 11th house energy it's probably your destiny to work for a humanitarian (laughs) cause and be involved with big groups of people who are doing important work that, you know, you really believe in. And it's likely if you have a lot of those placements, you are going to be called to something in particular. You're going to have something that activates you. Yeah. That that a community that you're, that you find that is very important to you that is maybe more important than anything else. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting I don't have any 11th house placements all my planets stop at the 10th house I I actually don't either Interesting. Um, the only one I do is Chiron but you know that's like the wounded hero. that's like a and um my 11th house is Taurus which to me means I'm just one of those like steadfast friends like mm. I I kind of find friends for a long time um but no I have yeah I don't have a lot of 11th house energy but i feel like also 11th house energy people are quite popular um mm, especially mm-hmm. within their friend groups yeah um, they have mm-hmm. a lot of that's a lot of like oh you know mm-hmm. that makes sense um and the last house the 12th house which is associated with the sign of pisces which has us like s- a lot of sad <laughs> words associated with it frankly it's it really the house <laughs> of secrets some sorrows sometimes is a word that's thrown in there and self undoing which I think self undoing I think like the eighth house it's a misunderstood house um it's a very mystical house Pisces is associated with the end of life you know that uh place between the living world and the spirit world and it can be depending on the planets and placements and you, you would, if you had a lot of 12th house energy and maybe other kind of less favorable aspects or, or, you know, associations with that within your chart, like it could point to areas where you have lied to yourself, you know, um, it, it, Pisces is ruled by Neptune. It's very delusional in some cases. (laughs) It's not, it, it it can create its own world very yeah. easily and it can get into its feelings and dream worlds um, and, and take, you know, go far away from reality. But it's also, at I think at its best 12th house energy can be people who are truly psychic and, and actually have, you know, incredible empathetic gifts and can kind of rise above a lot of the, you know, materialism and social climbing and all of this, like, Anybody who has a lot of planets in that last quadrant can skip a lot of the other, they skip over (laughs) a lot of the other like human bullshit that we all care too much about, like (laughs) money and bills and making sure we have a boyfriend or whatever. It's like, no, I'm just concerned about like being my best self, you know? And um, sometimes like in 12th house energy gets hidden. And so Mm. like um, if you have a sun in the 12th house, it's very hard for it to shine. Um, because it's not always seen. And sometimes they say the 12th house is the sign that gets on your nerves the most. Or like is the sign that kind of creates the most karma for you in a weird sort of way. That's what I was about to say too is it's it does point to karma in, in your chart and in your life, right? And it may be if you have a lot of 12th house placements that there's a lot of reckoning around karma Ooh. for you. And that could be for good or for bad, you know. It's depending it's, on how you are. Yeah, it depends <laughs> on who you were for the rest yeah. of your chart y'all yeah. like yeah. <laughs> but it is it's that that placement of getting what's coming to you everybody gets what's coming to them in the end for better or worse Don't and listen. that's what the 12th house is it all has to balance itself out at some time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that what were you gonna say i was gonna say i mean the, so as we've like talked about this it's important to know um, as you probably have already figured out, you don't necessarily have planets in every house. Actually, I mean, if you consider the lesser influences, it's possible to have them in every house. But to have you couldn't have <laughs> major planetary influences in every house. It's more houses than planets, um, but you will nonetheless. So again, like whatever. My I'm a Taurus rising, just barely. So my chart looks like this right so Taurus is here in, in my first house so even though I don't have any planets in that first house especially because your rising sign is an important aspect of your chart like the sign that rules my first house can still tell me something about that aspect of my mm-hmm. life it just shows that maybe not a lot of my energy is is given to that area yeah. um, I don't have any planets in my first house either yeah, I don't but, think I have any house places. But I think what either. that usually says is that you have such a defined sense of self that you don't need planets in that area. Mm, and you end up having planets where you need to kind of like define, your soul needs to define certain things about themselves. Interesting. I like that. Um, yeah, so if you're curious, you're like, oh, like, you know, that. What they said about the sixth house really spoke to me. And you look at your chart and you're like, oh, weird, I don't have anything in the sixth house. You can see what sign rules the sixth house in your chart. And that might give you a sense of like if it turns out you have, you know, you're an Aries rising, you have Virgo in your sixth house, well, you know, that's Perfect. its natural ruler. <laughs> and so it, you know, it makes sense. It gives it a little extra boost of importance in your chart. Um, I think all Aries rising people are probably just a little bit extra everywhere. (laughs) I mean, they can't help it. You know what? We need it all, baby. Yeah, we need all all the signs. And if you look at it, you know, we're all an integration of all the signs. It's just depending on how that energy is expressed and how much of it is Mm -hmm. expressed because Mm -hmm. it's still represented within us. No sign was not around when we were born, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The whole of the zodiac is is giving you a big warm hug from the universe at the moment you're born (laughs) (laughs) so you want to talk about uh our little what we came up with our little game yes uh, in honor of aquarius season and yeah it is and i'm gonna be like this this whole time um (laughs) in honor of aquarius season and the planet uranus and its unpredictability Cassie and I have come up with the most shocking quality of each sign. Dun dun dun! Um, Ah! So we are going to uh, give you those of what we think. We don't know what the other one is going to say, so this should be just as shocking. (laughs) Cassie, you are going to start us off. I'm up first. Okay, so Aries. It sounds kind of shady, but I, I don't mean it that way. Um, my sh- what I deem their most shocking quality is that they're nice. Like they're <laughs> not—they're ruled by Mars. They're known for being very fiery, you know, passionate, and certainly they can be. Um, you know, as and you would associate a, a Mars ruled sign. Uh, if you cross them, they're like, oh, you know, you don't want to—you don't want to do that. But in general, I think an underrated quality for all the fire signs is they're nice. They're, they're actually nice. And Aries is less recognized for that than his bros. (laughs) Totally agree. Sagittarius. Totally agree. But they are, they are, they're, they're usually when you meet them, they're fun and they're nice and they really don't want to be that Ram until you give them an excuse to now, granted it may (laughs) not. They're, they may have minimal thresholds for, you know, Right, reasons, I was going to say. Depending say one on one the one Aries. Two? But <laughs> I'm just telling you, as an Aries moon, it could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> it might change from the day, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that is what I deem the most shocking quality about Aries. Okay, you ready for that one? Mm-hmm. Okay, I got Taurus. And the most shocking quality is that they are tyrants and they can cause massive... Uh, destruction to the world. Uh, and there were a couple of leaders mentioned in that, um, or world leaders, you know, Saddam Hussein, Adolf Hitler. Um, so I think that's, that's shocking because, you know, Taurus is ruled by Venus and Venus is such like a, a nice beautiful side you know what i mean and the great mm-hmm. great side of tauruses is, is very like sensual and like kind um but yeah that was very shocking to me that they were tyrants but <sighs> i mean i could see in its like deepest shadow aspects that extremely fixed you know stubborn Any- yeah head energy yeah yeah any of the fixed signs if they get <laughs> fixated on something bad you do not want to mess with those people but taurus is the most likely to like really follow through with something you know oh Unless yeah it's just just a to scorpio follow, and an emotional just to follow through on it just yeah. just for the simple fact of like oh no i'm going to make this happen <sighs> mm-hmm. that uh, uh um, yeah i hear okay. that Um, Okay. So for Gemini, I think their most shocking quality is that they're extremely intuitive. Um, They, you know, you, you associate them with being flighty, but I think they have... Part of it is that if they sense that energy is off with somebody, they're going to move on quickly (laughs) and they're testing everyone to see. They're not like a water sign where they're going to try and take on somebody's pain to like make it better or something like that. No, no, no. They don't have any interest in doing that. But I, it's that part of that like childlike quality Mm -hmm. they have. Children have very good. Instincts and intuition about no, situations absolutely. and vibes, even though it's stamped out of a sad no. amount of them. But I think that's my my pick for um, yeah. for Gemini's oh, shocking yeah. quality. If a kid side eyes you, something wrong with you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, kid don't like you. They <laughs> sense that energy. Yeah. Okay. You ready for this one? I don't think you're ready oh, for this Oh, oh, okay. What is the okay. shocking quality? Cancer is um, the most arrested criminals. <laughs> <laughs> and you can blame it on their mental instability. Their emotional stability is good, but their mental is just, you know. <laughs> That's um, hilarious and honestly doesn't surprise me. I bet that a lot of cancer men probably are out here doing just all, reacting, yeah all yeah. of the worst ways oh, doing doing absolutely. it's because they're emotional that they are the worst because they don't have any mental stability yeah. there's they nothing can't pause to, yeah there's nothing logical <laughs> being like this is probably a crime i'm gonna get arrested for but hey you know mm-hmm. okay all mm-hmm. right um, let's see oh i just were my i was just doing my new moon attentions and one of my things that came up was just like you know channeling like detachment from emotional reactions oh. to things and emotional Ooh, triggers that's a perfect um, one for you i know because <laughs> <laughs> with all those cancer placements like and now i'm out on the internet i'm trying to do different content and stuff and you know it brings out haters and every time someone hates i'm just like, <gasps> and i'm like it's okay not everybody has to like you man listen, Kat- use it as an opportunity to listen Dude. that's what i said Cat williams always said you need haters they that's your true. biggest fans <laughs> that's right um okay so leo i think mm. their most shocking quality is that they are very moody they are not associated with that particular quality um they're thought of as being you know they can be kind of like dogmatic because they're a fixed sign um but they're very much like if it doesn't go their way they're yeah if shutting the sun down do- and everybody if the sun don't shine it. if the sun don't shine they not shining like that's no. just what it is like, and is- because their energy is so usually bright and out there like any dimming of it is very noticeable and they don't try to not they don't they don't they can't. they can't if that overtakes them, they're yep, they can't. They can't they can't hide that because that's who they, you know. Because mm-hmm. they're ruled by the sun. They're you know, a brighter light casts a darker shadow. <laughs> oh, that, dropping gems again. Um <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> wow, dude, we put other one we talked about, but I ain't gonna say that so everybody can hear it. Um, okay. So next we have Virgo. Then this may or may not be shocking. But um, they are prone to hypochondria and can worry themselves sick. I know. Um, which, it, you know, they're usually and, – and it's crazy because the Virgo is associated with the sixth house of health. And so it's mm-hmm. like, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you don't get a handle on – all of that anxiety energy, and I shouldn't say like get a handle on it like it's something you can just do. Yeah, I know, no. it's, you know, if. Listen, your girl's Lexapro prescription is on the <laughs> shelf. Like, you know, whatever you Just have to learning, hope yeah, with it. Yeah, learning to manage it the best you can so that you don't... However you have to. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And and yes. having some, a little, you know, it's hard to get to the self-awareness of that that might be what's happening. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, it's important. Oof, that's a good one. Um, okay, so my... Most shocking quality for Libra is that they're pretty manipulative. Um, they're, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they're fun of being people pleasers. They're very relationship oriented and it's true. And they want to keep balance, but they can be underhanded and scheming and you leverage how they're able to people please to shift things how they want to. And again, I'm not, listen it's it's the charming nature of venus right (laughs) i'm not gonna shade anyone for being manipulative i'm manipulating situations all the time too baby like um but you know you gotta know (laughs) what you're doing and make sure you're always doing it for good reasons like if if i'm being manipulative it's because i'm trying to bring up the vibe you know someone's over here if, if you do it for a bad reason it will come back on you i promise you that it will even if you don't think it will you yep. may be trying to manipulate, but remember, the universe is always manipulating. So you, you, you make sure. That you, you're not stronger than the universe, honey. No, and don't <laughs> unleash anything that you don't want coming back to you times three. Say it like, loud, say it proud, girl. don't do it. Mm-mm. Okay, so Scorpio, a surprising fact I learned, and also shocking to me, that they make up almost 10% of the world leaders. Wow, right a little scary, but okay. <laughs> although a Scorpio with a you know, um, career focus is a, yeah. that's a good route for Scorpio, I'll oh, say, yeah. you know, depending oh, for sure. On, um, what they've also done in their personal lives, too, who knows, I suppose, but um, they do seek power, they're, yeah, you know, and they're nerd. and you know, also a fixed sign, so hmm, hmm if yeah. they want it they're gonna get, go and get it no matter what it is or who yeah yep. Mm-hmm. or what country's border i don't know um is putin a scorpio <laughs> i don't know i was actually about to, as soon as you said that i was like oh, can you look it up <laughs> yeah look it oh, up and drop it in the chat it's right. Putin? <laughs> we need to look up we, we're we trying to find putin. <laughs> putin um while we're doing that so sagittarius speaking mm-hmm. of um and- <laughs> speaking of this maybe is colored by my personal experience, but my research backed it up too. (laughs) my most shocking trait about Sagittarius is that they're very thoughtful. Mm. So they're not, uh, don't seek out a whole bunch of like personal relationships. Usually they're not, you know, they're, they've got higher interests and they're trying to travel and be worldly. And like, they. you know, they have a close group of friends, but they're not the, you know, they're not trying to collect friendships and they're not, you know, Gemini, or somebody who's spending a whole bunch of time on their interpersonal relationships. But when they do develop a friendship, a closer relationship with somebody, they have an uncanny memory for things you like and, uh, you know, associations with you. And they will, they're great gift givers and just. Like, my husband, my Sagittarius husband, writes everyone's birthday on the calendar every year. He does it every year. He will never forget somebody's birthday, like... Well, look, it's, at her love language being spoken so loud. I know. I'm like, that is so cute and sweet. And, like, Coral is an excellent, thoughtful, oh my sweet gosh, yes. gift giver, too. And
1: She yeah. actually made me cry on my horror. birthday
0: yeah. gift. Oh, so nice. and I don't cry, um I mean, I do, but um, okay, so for Capricorn this is shocking is that capricorns can be known to be polygamists and casanovas, they really want, and I said also that they really want someone to nurture them, oh yeah, uh-huh, that cancer opposition yeah they want yeah Uh uh-huh but you know they want multiple yeah so yeah polygamy hmm okay all right capricorns all earth signs are low-key freaks some of them are high-key freaks and capricorns a low-key one but they they're freaky too but they're ruled by the devil and the tarot continue Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) mm-hmm um So my shocking trait for Aquarius, (laughs) it's funny considering everything that we've talked about today, is that they're very sensitive. Um, (laughs) Not sensitive necessarily that they get hurt by everything. They certainly don't. But it's that they are aware of the slightest changes in things. Like they're very... They, they think a lot about the environments they're in, the situations they're in and any discord or newness or <laughs> brokenness that immediately draws their attention. And, you know, they have the ability to detach, you know, it's not necessarily going to trigger these big, like big emotions as parents, we call it, we say to our children, um, or, you know, if you're a water sign person, <laughs> just your life. Um, but they are, they're extremely perceptive to that stuff and very sensitive to it, too. It can just like really throw them off, you know, subtle changes. So. Yeah. And the vibe is off. I'm out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know where the vibe is good my my bedroom hello 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 but um i think that that's a i I, i'm glad you said i think that's a common misconception that aquarius is although people that know us very well know how sensitive we are true Um, true, true. so appreciate those that understand it Mm -hmm. um and then you know the last one for pisces this is what i said i said they struggle between being a narcissist and a martyr um, oh, between their heart and their mind. <laughs> Yeah. Between their heart and their mind. Mm. Um that's a big struggle. Uh yeah. So, you know. Listen yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Girl. Um, um, so we got some questions. We only got a couple more minutes left. So we're gonna knock out these questions real quick. We're gonna get you guys a car and we're gonna get out of here. So we right. what we got in the chat, Cassie. Okay, so from Dan, the hair official, official, Leo King, which houses have the most influence on someone's life in their mid-30s? I would say probably anywhere from your seventh on, seventh house on. Yep. Um, I'm, you, I'm giving that yeah. to the uh, old quadrant number three over here. <laughs> These guys, seven, eight, and nine. I think seven is really, like, once you flip from the sixth to the seventh house, that's your thirties. Like, the associations with the seventh house, you know, marriage is traditionally in there. That's the most formalized relationship contract. And that house deals with both. Of course, not everybody gets married at that time. Not everybody gets married at all. But it is the time in your life where a lot of that is happening around you. And I think the time in life where most people have gotten out of the phase of wanting to be with everyone, you know, you're not just, you're not you're left the, the fifth house, house right? pumping everybody. <laughs> like, and you know, ones. you've gotten through the STDs of the sixth house. <laughs> oh, not the STDs of the sixth house, Health, girl. Health, baby. Um, So, you know, you're you're moving on. And then, yeah, your seventh, your eighth house is really transformational energy. You didn't say it tonight, but I know you've said it before with yeah. eighth house's tower moment. Forget. yeah. Um, You know, things where shit just really gets flipped on its head and you have to learn to, um, there's a, uh, you know, start from your beginnings, like lose lose what you thought you had and, and realize that you can rebuild. But then you end that quadrant on a high note of your ninth house, which is a joyful house for travel and philosophy and learning from all of those experiences of the seventh and eighth house. But if you're, you know, in your mid thirties and look at your chart and see what's going on in your seventh, eighth, and ninth house, and then how it evolves into your 10th, 11th and 12th houses. And maybe, you know, whatever energy you're feeling, the ruler of your seventh house, I would say, maybe can shed some light on, you know, how you might be affected by, those um you know you know your relationships or um you know partnerships and contractual relationships and then same with the eighth house and ninth house and you know look look at your slice of pie there and what's happening so this is the first time this happened but chelsea shag actually threw a question on my end so i want to answer that for her because it popped up what up chelsea we love you um, okay, go, oh, hey go follow, go listen to her music. She's oh a my bomb God. she's amazing. Um, she's the she... voice of NPR in Atlanta. Yes. It's um incredible. <laughs> she's asking about cancer in her tenth house. Oh. Yeah, which sounds like Capricorn's in her fourth, huh? Yeah, that's mm. interesting. Um, I mean, I would say you know, at that point, you're, if you have a lot of planets in that house, um, or your North node or something, um, it, you know, you're looking at your career, being able to connect with people on an emotional level, really. Um, and being able like care work, you know, um, I know Chelsea, um, (laughs) personally, (laughs) and Chelsea's an amazing musician. You should all follow her. But I know that she has also recently moved into sound therapy. Mm. And um, I think that something like that is an incredible um, example of what a 10th house in in cancer could look like, right? That's perfect. uh, I mean, it's almost like, you're doing what you're supposed to. Even her music uh, always strikes an emotional chord. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. That would so definitely. Good. So, mm. all right, guys. So we're going to, we got a couple more minutes here. Um, thank you so much for joining us. If you ever want to be on the show, we will have another live this Sunday, 10 p.m. We will have another guest. But go hit us up at Chatline at gmail.com if you want to be on the show. Tonight, we are going to pull a card from the What Animal Spirit deck. I love this um, deck, Cassie and I love this deck. Uh, we, it's really nice. It's it's um, it's broken down into elements, and spiritual is also included in an element. So I'm just going to give it a quick shuffle, and we will see what we have for the collective. I know that Chelsea loves this deck too. She, I w- attended an event that she Ooh. performed at, and she pulled a card from it. I was so happy. <gasps> All right, so we get the golden egg and I'm just going to read a little bit of it uh, because we are limited on time. Message at the center of the heart, the unstruck sound. The golden egg is associated with the fourth chakra. The subtle essence of the golden egg is nestled deep within the heart center at the fourth chakra. This chakra called Anatta, is the home of the self or soul. By bringing the mind into the center, we discover a portal to the most intimate and luminous space. It is said our inner guide sits there in deep meditation waiting for us. Anahata translates as the unstruck sound. Wow. That that you pulled weird. this earlier? Wow. <laughs> Chelsea out <said laughs> of the chat she pulled this earlier. And just having just spoken about sound baths, talking about the unstruck sound. Oh, so we, we is, the universe in here is, tonight. listen, it's in the building, it's Mercury going, it's Mercury stationing. Um, so guys take that energy with you. Thank you once again for joining us on our live Cassie girl. I don't know. I would never, I could never do this without you. I love you. It's always I love you all love. You know, that's Bye-ya. right. Peace.